Hey everybody, it's Pastor John. I just wanted to take a moment and just thank you for taking time to listen to the Lifehouse Newport News Dream Team podcast. The whole purpose of this podcast is to enable you, the Dream Team, to hear more about the vision, purpose, system, DNA, and strategy of Lifehouse Newport News in a way that is convenient for you in the midst of your crazy life. So thank you for being part of the Dream Team and helping Lifehouse Newport News help all people experience life change through Christ. You know, we truly believe that it takes teamwork to make the dream work. So thank you so much. And without further ado, here's this week's episode. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Dream Team podcast. Uh, just thanks for tuning in and making time for this uh, in whatever you're doing, dealing with the kids or going on a walk or walking the dog or driving to work, wherever you find yourself. Thanks so much for taking time to listen today. And uh, today's going to kind of be a follow-up from uh, the first one that we did talking about why we exist, um, where in that episode we talked about um, why we exist as a church, which is to help all people experience life change through Christ. And when we, then we talked about uh, what tangibly does that look like when it comes to life change. Like life change can be kind of vague. So then we said life change is to know Jesus, um, find freedom, uh, discover your why, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And now, um, so that is what the tangible expression of what life change looks like. But now I want to get into the actual habits uh, that we believe form life change, right? So if we were to put this like in dietary terms, right? So let's, let's say you want to, um, I don't know, get sexy, right? So that, that's kind of the ultimate why, right? So we're equating get sexy with, uh, with life change through Christ. Then you would say, so getting sexy would mean having like a 32 inch waist. It would mean having, you know, 24 inch biceps. Like you would go into some specifics of what that, of what that sexiness would actually look like. But then once you defined that, then you would have to say, what habits do I need to do to see these tangible expressions of sexiness happen so I can be sexy? I don't know if this was the best example, but uh, I don't know. Sorry, this is uh, you're getting what you pay for. <laughs> but um, so now you have to define what habits am I going to do to see these tangible expressions of life change happen. And that is where uh, what we call our 5G strategy. So we want to help all people experience life change through Christ. Life change through Christ means for us, know Jesus, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. But then the habits that are going to have to be done to see those four expressions of life change happen is what we call our 5G growth strategy um, or our 5G um, habits to see life change happen. And I'm just going to walk through those today briefly. And, uh, so hopefully you will, um, you will resonate with these and see, these are things that we teach, that we preach and we believe in. Um, if you've gone through life track, step one, you've might've probably, or excuse me, life track, step two, these might be review for you, but I think it's always good to hear this. So we have narrowed down the five commitments that if people do these things, they will know Jesus, find freedom, discover their 
purpose and make a difference and ultimately see life change happen. The first one, the first G is grace, a commitment to grace, a commitment to grace. Now you're like, okay, John, I know that, but grace is more than just something that saves us. It's something that empowers us to live. So in Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, it says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So we understand that we are not saved by what we do. We are saved by God's grace. And God's grace is simply God's unmerited, unearned favor. Where there's nothing we could do to make God like us. There's nothing we could do to make God love us. It is his grace. It is his unmerited, unearned favor that, that saves us and we respond to his grace. Now, grace changes everything. Grace is ultimately what makes religion or what makes Christianity different from every other religion. Why? Because every other religion is merit-based. It's works-based. It's like, you know, like I said uh, in in a sermon a couple weeks back is that um, Muslims have no idea where they stand before Allah. Why? Because they're not going to know until they die. So they go through their whole life doing good works and good things with the hope that when they die and stand before Allah, they'll be saved and they'll be sent to paradise. But what makes Jesus and Christianity different is that because of grace, we now know where we stand with God, where if we respond to his grace and with faith, where we trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross in our place and for our sins, we don't have to worry where we stand with God. We can now stand with boldness, knowing that it is God's grace that saves us. Now, however, grace, right? So we can sometimes hear that word and Christians think, okay, cool. Grace means I can go do whatever I want. I'm saved by grace through faith, not not really. Romans chapter 6, verse 1, Paul, he talks about this. Why? Because grace can be abused. So Paul says this, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So Paul, he's like, you know, if Paul's like, I know people, people are going to hear this teaching about grace, take it, and they're going to abuse it. I think, okay, God gives grace. Well, I can just sin more. If I keep sinning, God keeps giving more grace. And Paul's like, you're smoking crack. You don't need to be thinking that way. Grace should not just save you, but it should empower us to live. Right, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 13 says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Here's the thing. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying here, look, not only does grace save you, but it empowers you. It teaches you to say no to ungodliness and to live self-controlled, a self-controlled life. So grace is something that saves us, but it also empowers us. See, grace also helps us to live with a, uh, a, a I get to attitude instead of a I have to attitude. Since we're responding to God's grace, we no longer have to, um, like I said, do anything to earn his grace. So now we don't, okay, I have to give, I have to serve, I have to give money, I have to do this in order to get something from God. We simply a response, uh, us living is a response of what God has already freely given us. So because God gave, we give. Because God lived selflessly, we live selflessly. Because God was generous, we are generous. So we don't be generous so God will like us. We live in response to the generosity, grace, and love of God. I hope this is making sense because this is powerful stuff if you'll start living by it. Um, Here's the thing. Also, grace enables us to stop living for God's approval and to start living from it. I don't know. I just think this changes the game. 
because it helps us to live free. It helps us to live bold. It helps us to stop wondering or walking around. Does God like me? Is God for, for me? And all these thoughts that the enemy try, tries to throw in you. But if we start living and we start grasping this idea of grace, if people can live in this and get this principle, I'm telling you, it frees us to live so much better in Christ. So that is the first G, is grace. If people commit to grace, in our definition of grace, like like we said, I just explained it. Uh, if people can grasp that and get that, that is an incredible commitment that will help them see, or a habit that will help them see life change. The second G that I want to talk about is gatherings. The first G was grace. The second G um, is gatherings. Here's the bottom line, man. We think church is still important. We think the people of God gathering together um, on Sunday mornings is vitally important. We understand some some people work, so it can be hard, but at the same time, we believe that the church gathering together is still vital and still extremely important. I know we've got online options and and people can do church online and things like that. And we're not bashing that. But at the same time, we we think it's it's kind of the difference between an online dating relationship and an in-person dating relationship. Um, I think people would say there's probably a few more benefits to dating in person um, and actually seeing their face and being able to like touch their skin and and stuff like that. Right. And we believe that that it's the same way with with uh, church, there's definitely benefits of doing online stuff, but at the same time, there's just something different about being in the physical presence of other people. And so, um, and, and we believe that if people commit to that, if, if they commit to saying, I will attend church every Sunday to, you know, um, I don't know, I just think that's building a habit of making God a pri- a priority. I've, I've just seen, unfortunately, in the past how, especially new believers or people newer to the faith or, or, or people striving to get back, uh, the first thing that ends up going before kind of their whole relationship with God goes is they stop going to church. You know, it becomes a thing, well, I'm tired, don't want to wake up, stay too late Saturday, stayed out too late Saturday. Um, and it's kind of, that is kind of the first habit that breaks before kind of everything just goes off the rails. And so that's that's why we think um, celebration times of, of coming together and gathering together as the church is so important. And kind of for our context, gathering simply means attending church on Sunday. We know we're in a period in time where people think that's not important and things like that, but we think it is vitally important. And we've got a few aspects of, of, of that we think um, make uh, that, that, that kind of add to these gatherings. Uh, the first off is that we, we believe Sunday should be a time of celebrating. You know, that we believe we should not be a dead church, but in a live church that, uh, man, like when you go to church, that it should be something you leave like, man, thank you, God, for this time where I had to sit under God's word and worship uh, and, and worship with other fellow believers. Secondly, it should be a time of salvation. We, we That's why we do an, uh, you know, a salvation call every single week. Um, we want to give people the opportunity to respond and receive Christ. Like We're believing that there's going to be unsaved people there, and we're going to present the gospel, and they're going to respond to the gospel. Thank God, even this past Sunday, um, first Sunday in December 2018, I saw 10 hands go up at least between the first and second service of people responding to Christ. We love that. We believe our Sunday gatherings can be a great time for people to make a decision for Christ. And plus two, you know, we want it to be a time for people to invite their friends and family to come and experience the people of God and hear the gospel. Uh, third, it should be a time of equipping. Um, I, you know, T.D. Jake said this. He sees his church when he when he preaches as the 12. So he doesn't see the thousands that are there. He sees this church as the 12 that he is equipping them. And I take that ser- seriously, where there are things that I would say on, on Sunday that are specifically for believers to equip them. But at the same time, I take into account the fact that there's going to be unbelievers there and things like that. But it's a, it's a time for you to be equipped. 
right? Um, also too, uh, it should be a time of us coming together and submitting to God's word. We want to submit ourselves to, to God's word. We believe the word of God is powerful. And there's just something about the preached word when we submit ourselves to it. It has the power to change us when we take our defenses down and take those walls down, right? And we see Sunday services too, man, as a time for everybody. It's a time to put our differences aside and worship Jesus where we put aside our socioeconomic status, our bank accounts, our genders, our colors. Like we just throw all of our different things that divide us and we throw those aside. And we, sub, and we say, hey, we're here to worship one thing and do one thing, and that's worship Jesus. And it's really a picture of heaven. And we believe if, if somebody commits to, to making church a priority, that it really does bring life change. The first G was grace. The second G was gatherings. The third G that we call people to commit to is groups. We believe that um, at Lifehouse Newport News, we believe our church must grow larger and smaller. Look, we want the church to grow, people to meet Jesus. But at the same time, we... Um, we also know that our church needs to get smaller as well, where people get into smaller groups of people where people know their name, people know their stories, people know their gifts, people know their struggles. Like people, people know each other, um, you know, and, and so that's why we believe this. God never intended us to go through life alone. Uh, as you see, the first thing, the one thing that God said wasn't good was that man was by himself, that he was alone. And um, so we believe life change happens in the context of relationships. We understand that for many people that can be hard because uh, when they get into smaller groups, they get more vulnerable. They, you know, because people like to hide, they like to cover up, they like to shield the hurts and pains that they have uh, because they've been hurt in the past. And that can bleed over into kind of their church experience and their relationship with God because they don't want to trust people because they've been hurt in the they've been hurt in the past. So getting in a smaller group can be a really big step for somebody because um, it involves trust. But, but that's why we, we have thorough leadership training for that. And uh, we, we just believe groups are super, super important, you know, and, and but why are they important? Well, we believe that people, um, you know, need to speak the word of God to them. Like people need a safe place to go and have their questions asked and answered about God's word. Um, you need people stronger than you. You need people weaker than you. You need people stronger than you so they can help you. And you need people weaker than you so you can help others. You need people to actually know you. You need a place where you can be prayed for. You need a place where you can be protected and feel safe. And you need a place where you can share your story. And, and so we believe if people honestly commit to going to a group and, 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 and actually being vulnerable and not keeping the wall up, and we know for some people that takes time, and we're cool with that. We understand that it doesn't just happen overnight, but if people really jump, jump in, go through, the process, go through the process, get in a group that they like, get around people, that inevitably it will bring life change. Grace, gatherings, groups. The fourth commitment uh, is giving. You know, we believe this, that um, we are never more like God than when we give. It's so true. You know, that God in at the core of his being is a giver, you know, for God's so love the world that he gave. You know, that's in God's character and God's nature. But we kind of see three areas here at Lifehouse that we need to be intentional in giving of. Number one, that's our time, our talent, and treasure. Terminology that's kind of been born here at Lifehouse that I feel like we've kind of created and owned it is the fact that we are not owners of anything. We're stewards of everything, meaning owning means... Um, know that we're in charge it's for our benefit but as christ followers we go from owners to stewards meaning now stewards we manage what has been entrusted to us by god and god has entrusted time to us talent to us and treasure to us that we are now called not to spend but to invest that's the key word invest for the benefit of the one who has entrusted it to us so now we say god since we're now stewards we now want to invest what you have given us for the benefit of you so now we say god instead of what's important to me and my benefit, what is important to you? And what is important to God? 
It's people. How do we know this? God did not die for anything but people. So what is important? You know what something, how much something is worth by what something somebody is willing to pay for it. God paid his life for people. So what is important to God? It's people. So what should we be investing in? What should we be investing our time, our talent, and treasure in? People. Who reaches people? The church. It's God's hands and God's feet. I hope you got that. <laughs> All of that. That makes that's that's kind of a linear line of thinking there. But so the bottom line is this, though, that we are called to give our time, our talent and treasure to see the kingdom of God forwarded and to see us become more like God. And there's also a lot of benefits of giving. First off, giving makes me more like God. Like we said earlier, John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Second, giving draws me closer to God. Scripture says this, Matthew six twenty one, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Jesus talked more about money than he did hell. Jesus talked more about money. Um, 20, he talked more about money and possessions 25 percent of the time shows you how important it was to him. Uh, giving is the antidote to greed. We live in a consumeristic culture, so giving breaks that consumeristic mentality that we all, uh, unfortunately, growing up in the United States can have, where we think we're not rich when we are rich. Uh, you know, Our world isn't the world compared to the rest of the world. We are rich. 8% of the world owns a car. Um, like We are just incredibly blessed here in this country, and we have to be careful that we are not being consumed by consumerism. Um, and, this, and the best way to do that is to give. It's the antidote to greed. Also, giving strengthens our faith. Have you ever has God ever asked you to give something that you're like, oh, that's gonna hurt? He has me. He's like, John, give this much money. I'm like, oh, that's gonna hurt. But so giving strengthens our faith. Also, giving is an investment into eternity. And I mean, good Lord, when we invest in the church, we are investing in eternity. Like if we truly believe heaven and hell are real and the church is the hope of the world and that God has put the church to be on earth, to be his hands and his feet to this planet, then when we give of our time, our talent, our treasure, we are investing into eternity, man. And there's nothing like it. Giving blesses us in return. You know, a generous man will himself be blessed, Proverbs 22.9 says. But also, too, giving makes us joyful. You really truly see when you give, it's better to give than to receive. So that's the fourth G. So we believe if people commit to grace, and we define what grace is, when people commit to gatherings to saying, hey, I'm going to make church a priority, when people say, I'm going to get into groups, and our goal is not to just have them get into groups, but also maybe lead a group, but then fourth, when they commit to giving, and then fifthly, when they commit to growth. So, th so what does growth mean for us? So we believe um, that ultimately God wants us to grow in our relationship with him. The growth is a byproduct of being in a relationship with God. Hebrews 6.1, uh, some people say that Paul was the writer of Hebrews. Some say not. The bottom line is this, is that it says this, Therefore, let us uh, move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. God wants to mature you. God wants you to grow up. God doesn't, you know, unfortunately, what we see in the church many times is people are coddled. They're not challenged. And so they've been in the church for a long time, but they are still babies because they haven't been challenged, they haven't been disciplined, they haven't been led, and so and people are creatures of comfort. So unless people are challenged to grow, they will not grow. So I don't know when you find this, many times growth happens outside of our comfort zones. And, and so we see change, uh, growth, as not, being a, as not just being a one-time moment, but a lifelong journey. We believe life change happens, growth happens the moment we meet Jesus. So that is the one-time thing. We make a decision to follow Jesus, we cross the line of faith, and then we step into a lifelong process and journey of growing to be more like Christ. The bottom line is this. We say this. Growth means that I make a decision to commit to following Jesus, and then I give enough time to see life change happen. What I see so many people do is they start to follow Jesus. They're really excited about it. They give it six months. And they're like, oh my God, I haven't changed. I haven't changed 40 years of habits in 40 days. It's like, no, you're going to have, it's going to take time. The same passion and energy that you've put in to be a bad sinner is the same passion and energy you're going to have to put in 
to being a God-honoring person. Like it's not going to just be overnight. It's going to take time, but so many people quit. And we want to encourage people, look, give it enough time to work. It's going to be uphill, downhill. Like it's, you know, we always want it to be easy and pretty, but it's many times growth doesn't happen that way, especially when we're trying to follow Christ. So we got to let the process work. We got to let the process happen. Growth also means nothing is wasted. You know, we can look back on our lives, the good, the bad, the ugly. And the beautiful thing is, man, growth means that nothing is wasted. Romans 8, 28, right? All things work to the good of those who love God and have been called according to his purpose. Like anything, that's what I'm saying. Anything in life can be used for God's glory and for our good if we let it. And that's what growth is, is taking the good, the bad, the ugly from our past in our present and whatever happens in the future saying, God, how can you make me more like you in this and through this, right? So growth means we learn from everything. Nothing is wasted. Growth is not a continual ascent upwards, but typically a combination of success and failures. You know, I kind of use this whole graph thing where we always want growth to be this just continual ascent upwards. And many times it's not. It's typically it's three steps forward, two steps back, four steps forward, three steps back. So growth is, is a continual up, down, up, down, up, down, where we where we have to commit and say, okay, I'm in this not just for the short term, but I'm in it for the long haul. I, you know, the longer we stick in it, the more we'll see growth happen. And here's the thing: growth happens when we make a decision and follow up that decision with daily habits, daily habits, daily habits, right? And and this is where the discipline part of disciple comes in. And um, you know, I in our culture. It's so easy to, 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 to just kind of think that um, stuff is going to happen easy. But uh, growing your relationship with, with God in many ways is about discipline. And that is what we pray. But we believe, look, if you commit to these five disciplines, grace, gatherings, groups, giving, and committing to growth over the long period, over the long haul, these are the habits necessary to see you know Jesus, find freedom, discover your why, make a difference that ultimately leads to life change through Christ. I really hope this made sense. This is our 5G that we want to encourage every person at Lifehouse to do and to be a part of. And we believe that when they do that, they will truly experience life change through Christ. I hope this made sense. If you have any questions, uh, send me an email, john at lifehousenewportnews.church. I love you so much. I'm so grateful for your dream team and know that the best is yet to come. And